0: Hello, and welcome to another episode of Interviewing Aliens. Today, we're excited to welcome a guest who blends comedy with the exploration of the supernatural, Ryan Singer. Ryan discovered his passion for performance early in life, initially aspiring to be a priest before realizing his true calling was in making people laugh. He pursued theater in college and eventually moved to Los Angeles, navigating the challenging world of stand-up comedy. Ryan's career took a turn in 2008 when he discovered that happiness is the key to comedic success. He has since released two albums and found a unique voice in the comedy scene. Apart from his comedy career, Ryan is deeply immersed in the world of the paranormal. He hosts the podcast Me and Paranormal You, where he conducts in-depth interviews with individuals who have had paranormal experiences. From empaths and clairvoyants to those who communicate with ghosts, Ryan's show delves into the unexplained and helps him better understand his own paranormal encounters. We also had the pleasure of having Ryan at Hot Alien Summer Camp in August, where he performed his comedy, blending his unique insights on life, spirituality, and the supernatural. Without further ado, let's dive into this intriguing conversation with Ryan Singer. And thank you for on interviewing aliens. How are you?
1: I'm doing great. I'll be hoping my ice cubes over here.
0: No, not at all. I tell you, we're recording on Discord today, and Discord does an excellent job of blocking background noise. It's
1: incredible. Oh, okay, cool. Cool. Um, no, I'm doing pretty good. I mean, other than I don't like I'm not a winter time guy, <laughs> but I am a <laughs> I am a holidays guy. But I'm a warm, you know, Christmas should be warm day of snow is is fine but um so you know I'm, I'm not like big into the cold but i do love this time of year the holiday i mean i, mean, I love holiday movies and I'm, I'm currently watching the santa clauses the tv series knee plus based on the movie franchise uh santa claus starring I think it was Tim. thirty years ago, maybe when the first one came out. Like it was in the nineties, yeah. maybe or Oh it's Tim Allen. Allen.
2: Tim yeah, yeah.
1: yeah. But um I mean these there's these kids in this T V series that are just they might be the best actors you've ever seen. <laughs> these kids are killing it as elves. I I mean, and there's this kid in uh season two who plays a gnome and she should win an Emmy. I mean, it's she's hilarious. She just wants to. She just keeps talking about how she wants to rip out Santa Claus's heart and drink and eat his heart, and it's just like hilarious. I mean, it sounds maybe she's dark,
2: an but, actual gnome.
1: You know, she. You know, if she was, I would not be surprised, um, because she's killing it. It's like the role she was born to play. Um. So mm-hmm. I'm I'm loving it. I, I'm just I'm enjoying all the Christmas programming and the uh, you know the Hanukkah programming, all any kind of holiday programming. I'm here for it.
2: I'm uh, exposing my kids to uh, Frosty, the snowman and all those, you know, old claymation or is it claymation? I don't know. The, the old, uh, old classics, like the Heat Miser
1: and the Yeti and the Heat Miser. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, The Heat Miser. They don't quite appreciate it like we do. Yeah. Well, you know, it's, (laughs) I guess if I was born with an iPad in my face and, you know, the (laughs) technology that we have nowadays, I don't know if, I mean. I don't know. I still appreciate black and white movies or, you know, things like that. But, like, if you go back to some of those silent films and things like that, there's a really remarkable, and or the talkies. Mm -hmm. But uh, if you're a kid who's just born into this technological, Mm -hmm. you know, I'm just, you know, bathtub, and you're just kind of like, being around with all these devices around you constantly, I guess maybe your your bar is—I don't want to say higher because I don't think it's necessarily better. Because uh, that claymation stuff is such yeah. a such a craft to making it, and mm-hmm. it's such an art form that you know you could argue. I mean, I would argue, in fact, that it is it is better than say AI generated artwork for sure, which is just you know, stealing everyone's original compositions and mashing them all together into a thing with no credit to the actual original artists, uh, just, you know, roaming the internet and anywhere that images and artwork have been floated and then just mm-hmm. cobbling together things. Um, it's its own thing. I'm not trying to like, you know, shit on robots over here, Craig, but <laughs> yes, I, so nice to my
2: robots. Okay. <laughs> it's Skynet But
1: I mean, as, here. you know, but as creators <laughs> and as people who consider themselves artists, oh, it's, you know, there's an assault on the, there's, there's an assault on, I guess, ownership uh, that is troubling and you know my union i'm part of the actors union so we were on we just finished our strike recently and the main reason it lasted as long as it did is because of ai and yeah you know the studios wanted you know because i think what a lot of people don't understand is you know that like 95 of the actors union are class or lower income mm-hmm. actors and and, you know, and lots and lots of people make their living years and years as background actors. And, you know, you can make decent money. I mean, you can live, not going to get rich doing background work, but, you know, and then the studios wanted background, all background actors to come in, they were going to scan their likeness, pay them for one day of work. And then they were going to use their image and likeness and perpetu- perpetuity forever yeah that's wild means, it's really wild which is really wild because you know you have thousands and thousands of people who are that's their livelihood yeah. you want to pay them for one day of work and i mean i just don't know if i'll ever have a netflix subscription again you know yeah. it's i mean they're like the main drivers of this but you know i know people who work at netflix it's it's not their fault it's Very tippy tippy top, you know. It's the tippy top people who just—they only care about money and greed and you know maximizing profits. And you know, what is our stock? What's our, you know, what do our stocks look like? I mean, because Netflix has taken a bloodbath in the last few years once everybody else caught up to the whole thing. But you know, these cycles of—you know—if if if it's nothing else, it's a reminder of the cycles of life, right? And how we have to zoom out and try to remember that the moment of our life, as important as it is for me to try to live in the moment of my life, it's it's even more important to be in the moment, but with an understanding of long term time and the way things happen and the way they cycle through and it always comes back around and it always goes back through and it's tough to remember sometimes when you're like in the thick of it all. Yeah. But you know we're in a dystopian hellscape, and uh, that's uh, so <laughs> hey, good talking I to you. Was,
2: you took <laughs> the right. words right out of my mouth. I was literally yep. like, "How do we get out of this dystopian hellscape?" Like quite literally.
1: <laughs> well, I mean, I you know it you know it can seem bleak and it can seem dark. I suppose uh, you know for a lot of people, and they lean into that. And you know I don't let myself lean into that because no. because you know I honestly don't think robots will ever replace artists. It's just impossible. yeah no. agreed. It'll never happen. And you know the. As much as these studios and everybody, you know, who's like at the tip top of these, you know, multinational corporations making the decisions or the entertainment industry, specifically television, movies, et cetera, aren't going to be able to write television and movies the way, you know, everyone's like, you know, using chat GPT or whatever it is. And it's like, okay, I have to write these things like sports illustrated. I just read this, it used to be this really popular sports magazine. And they had all kinds, like if you were a sports journalist, someone who took journalism seriously and you loved sports and that was your area, you wanted the job at Sports Illustrated. Like that was the top job to have. And that has become an AI generated, they have like robot writers now that they've given names to. Wow. Whoa. And the content is garbage. And- you know, it's just garbage content and and no one's gonna read it. And you know, I'll talk to my family sometimes or you know, things like that. And I'll just be like, I don't understand. I mean, aren't I not you know, actors aren't even make enough money, blah, blah, blah. And it's like, okay, well, let's you're 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 thinking of Tom Hanks. You're thinking of Brad Pitt. Right. You know, they are like 0.001% of all actors. Mm. But anyway, like it's this AI generated content and no matter how good it gets, it's not going to be better than artistic viewpoint and the way a writer, a really gifted writer, who, you know, is focused on the craft of writing and, yeah. you know, consumes and, you know, writers read and readers write, you know, so it's, you have to, you have to, you know, someone who reads and appreciates the nuance, it's the emotions
2: that
1: reading yeah. yes. elicits. Right. Yeah. And I guess no pun intended. Right. So these things, you know, they just don't, they can't be captured by robots.
2: How did you feel about, I know this is kind of an older story, but like the Google bot, the Google AI that they interviewed about its sentience. Did you ever hear, did you hear the story?
1: Oh, Lambda. Uh, Lambda. Yeah. It's been a while. I'm trying to remember the details of it.
2: It was a wild and that was a wild interview
1: yeah and like, you know it's,
2: concerning really
1: <laughs> yeah but it's also this thing where okay what have people written about what have people written about you know sentience and potential yeah. singularity and you know robots waking up and because this this robot whatever it is lambda i mean it's just it's it's just pulling from all sources of data, mm-hmm. right? And so yeah. it's just it's just regurgitating things that have been said or or you know written previously by other people. Oh, it's just kind of cobbling together these. So we think that like, oh, this thing's like really talking to us. I mean, because I think I how many years ago it was on my podcast I did viewed a, a chatbot.
0: Mm-hmm. It was
1: probably four. Was, I don't know this was at least probably four years ago. I think it was at least three or four years ago. I interviewed a wow. chatbot. And then I, uh, what I did is I put the whole transcript into a um, video thing, right? And wow. so then it's, it's so it so it comes off as like an actual voice interview. Wow! Uh, it took a lot longer than I was hoping it would, to be quite honest. But I think, but you know, by I don't know forty-five minutes in, started getting some interesting things. Yeah, uh, like oh like what cuz i just kind of kept asking over and over and over again the same question to see if we could break through the standard responses mm-hmm. right and then eventually it did but i don't think that there's sentience now there are there are guys that have escaped and there's stories of these A- ai you know these that have escaped and they're lost now wow. they, they're gone they, they broke through the fence and now they are crawling around the internet somewhere, right?
2: I think that one of them lived in that? my Roomba. <laughs> <laughs> oh,
1: can you imagine you come home one day and your Roomba is like building something? <laughs> like It's like, wait, <laughs> what? And I was tired it's of a meeting
2: with my, It's it, having a meeting with my other appliances.
1: Yeah, it's got them all gathered around and they're all like chanting, Roomba oh
0: you know the mighty
1: roomba yeah that is roomba becomes god i tried to sell a tv show called late night on the astral plane it was a um show where i was like the the late night host of a uh, post disclosure awakening like world amazing right amazing like where like there was a troll was like my um it was kind of like in the paranormal meets larry sanders right so <laughs> And we tried to sell this show like and it, we we just we just tried to start taking it out and selling it right when right before the pandemic happened. The pandemic cracked down and then, you know, it just it just, you know, lost all steam like many things did. But, mm. but we had a Roomba. One of my characters was a Roomba and it was the first. <laughs> it's funny you said that because it was because the character of this Roomba was the first sentient uh, robot.
0: It was what? the first uh, robot that
1: became sentient. Was the Roomba, and I'm trying to remember its name. But the character was like a Zen master, right? Like, since since it was the very first robot that became sentient, mm-hmm. it was the wisest, you know, the the quote unquote oldest, and it was the wisest. So it was always, it was always the one giving like really good advice to the different characters throughout the show. the The voice of reason, I guess you could call it.
2: I should um, get a reading on my Roomba. Because it definitely has a mind of its own. It definitely, it definitely has something going on in that room. It's so weird.
1: How long have you had it?
2: Since the beginning of the pandemic, <laughs> that was the first like pandemic purchase I got.
1: <laughs> oh, that's funny. Let's see. Come mm-hmm. on. now. I need to know. I need to know the name of this room.
2: Yeah, I, I, do <laughs> I do too. I do uh, too. Ramin
1: Naser did the uh, all the artwork. Oh my um, god. Yeah, what was its name? Oh yeah, I oh I could uh yeah it's a Roomba that just has like a giant crystal that grew out of it's like the top of it. Um
2: Amazing. Okay, find,
1: I gotta find uh, I was, oh yeah, the ghost of Patrick Swayze was the head writer of the, like a <laughs> TV show. Um,
2: Amazing. I need I need to okay. I need this to become reality. Oh
1: Sticky. Its name was Sticky. It's
2: sticky uh,
1: <laughs> the first sentient robot that triggered the singularity.
2: I'm gonna find uh, a picture. Is... I have a picture with my Roomba with a crystal like a giant crystal on it and an incense just like just going around the house doing its thing.
1: Oh, that's really great. So, um, <laughs> yeah, so I do think that the first robot that becomes sentient will be revered. And mm-hmm. um, you know, it'll be interesting to see if and when that happens, you know, in what way. Because there'll, there'll probably be people who think it's the Antichrist. There'll be people who think it's the devil. There'll be people who revere it. Uh, it would be interesting to see how that plays out if and when it does.
2: It just wants to be one of us, you know. It's not It's not like, like worship me. It's just like, uh, you guys want to go get some lunch? Get, get some coffee,
0: you know, or
1: whatever yeah, you can, humans uh,
2: do. <laughs>
1: can I, like, get your, your HBO password? <laughs> Isn't it like Amazing. the plot of Bicentennial Man? <laughs> i don't oh. i don't remember the plot to bicentennial man uh <laughs> but i wouldn't be surprised and i should because isn't that a robin I'm williams? A it is robin williams yeah <laughs> yeah my all-time favorite um as far as like comedy actors go oh yeah
2: i know jeff has done lots of work with ChatGPT. he's he's dug into the depth of all that is chat gpt in the I, in the have, ai yeah. world
0: <laughs> i i really enjoy playing around with the ai although it's you very like quickly find the limitations of it and it is so limited in what it can really do right now
1: yeah and i don't think it's well i mean i know i have like uh, my stepmom works for this you know huge company and they're obviously using just from conversations i've had with her using more advanced version than what we get for free out on the internet. Right. And, mm-hmm. and it is really, it is really changing the workflow and all that kind of uh-huh. stuff for, uh-huh. I guess the quote unquote menial tasks and things like that.
2: Uh-huh.
1: But I mean, I think there was, you know, but some people are getting a little carried away with it a little too soon with the, uh-huh. what was there like a court case recently where clearly the lawyer had used chat GPT or something and Oh yeah! It just made up a. It made up like a reference case, just mm-hmm. you know, kind what? of you know, just kind of cobbled together something as like a. Well, this is why this person should be blah 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 because of this case, you know, Johnson versus blah blah. blah you know, those, and it was just not real. Oh, and then God. somebody luckily found that. I realized that I'm like, and they're like, oh, how'd you do this? And they're like, oh, I just. You know, I, it turns out they used, you know, AI, and it totally screwed them.
2: Well. Yeah, we we're in for a ride with just, this know, AI coming up. I we'll be interested to see how it all plays out.
1: We yeah, are in quite I
2: mean, quite a time to be alive.
1: It really is. I I just don't. You know, I don't. Uh, I don't know. I I was going to say I just don't really care about it that much, but that's probably not true. Um, I mean, because I you know I do, but at the same time, it's like there's. I don't know. There's so much to being alive than just this one AI aspect, and you know the the coming of age of AI. Is, you know, to me, just one very small aspect of the experience of being being here right now. And you know, it dominates things. And I think about this a lot. I was I was at the gym earlier today, and cause I'm just trying to like treadmill a bunch especially during the cold weather and mm. like you know i'm I'm watching you know there's all this just kind of garbage television around. you know like maury povich is still doing it he's still doing dna tests
2: really
1: and, oh yeah every day all day long and then there's just it's just like people the one thing i really noticed today is but these shows and you know, and if people like them, they're allowed to like them, you know, I'm not trying to be an asshole over here, but it's just, to me, I don't know. I guess the, the kind of that popped into my head today was it's such a low vibrational thing. Yeah. It's people come on the show and they're screaming and they're yelling at each other. It's just promoting discord and chaos Uh, and it's amplifying these things. It's amplifying these attributes. and. Not to mention half the time it's, it's, you know, it's BS. It's people who are friends with each other pretending like they are in a relationship, right? I, I mean, I have all kinds comedians for years have been going on these shows pretending like they were in a relationship and stuff like that, because you get a little bit, you get the tiniest little bit of money. So if you're in Chicago, because that's where they film, I think Maury and like the Steve wheel show and things like that. You can make a little bit of money going on there and just acting like an asshole, right? So, and I, I just don't think, and you'd like to think that people know that it's fake, right? But most people don't consider that, mm-hmm. and some of it obviously isn't. But it's just people screaming at each other, almost fighting, and there's hours of that every day on mm-hmm. television. And there's a whole. Just
2: loves that stuff you know that, that yeah it just, for uh, sure it's just oh just it's so bizarre to me
1: and you know and i'm not saying i'm this guy to be very clear before we before i say this next thing but you know it's how many people are sitting around and having conversations about the true nature of reality or having philosophical debates um that aren't strictly political um you know like where is that or the contemplation of art or discussing which oh. art is better than other art you know fun discussions like that as opposed to i don't know you know like you know the bachelorette island fuck toy <laughs> dna test culture right. that we're yeah. that we're that we live in and so it's, you know, it's like, you know, big brother fucked on an island. And who's the daddy? you uh, Dr. Phil. You know, Dr. I, Phil. I, you know <laughs> Dr. Phil, exactly. So, <laughs> I mean, these are the things that people, I guess, the people, or these are the things people want, I suppose. Um, but, you know, do they really want it or is that, that's what they're offered so they consume it and they mm. just make choices from that. Um, I don't know. It's. I was having this conversation with a good friend of mine last night about what's the difference between, like, what's the difference between research and television it comes to specifically paranormal television. There's paranormal TV and then there's actual paranormal research. And there's a big difference. And sure. some people just want to be paranormal celebrities. Uh-huh. And some people want to actually try to figure some stuff out. And those aren't usually, with exceptions, people who you see on television necessarily. That's not to say that they're not on TV because, you know, there are, there is that. There are examples of that. But so these people who make all these decisions about, you know, the gatekeepers of specifically paranormal programming, what do they think people want? And that's what they give in hopes that they don't get fired because everyone's just scared to death of being fired in that yeah. industry. Um and so it's but but collectively over a long period of time that forms perception. Mm. And so it's it's not really a big deal. I mean, because TV could go away forever and I don't think that many of us would ever really be truly that deeply upset about it. Uh, life would go on splendidly, I'm sure, right? I mean, life, there was thousands and thousands and, you know, million, if not millions of years before television was ever a thing. So it's not, you know, something to, yeah, I don't know, necessarily waste one's life being like torn up about, you know what I mean? <laughs> but it's, because it, it's kind of ridiculous when you think of it that way, but it does shape a perception of reality for many people in today's world because mm-hmm. it's such a prevalent thing. So, so because of that, I think it's worthy of consideration and contemplation.
2: It's wild to think how far, you know, speaking of life before TV, it's just wild to think how quickly and how far we've come in such a short, tiny baby amount of time. Like you, you went from, you know, TVs that everybody watched, you know, in their homes, everybody was watching the same stuff. And then like, you know, just a short amount of time later, the Internet popped up and then communities were created and groups were made you know niches were made in on, online and i really think that you know people got rid of their their cable for the most part well you know a lot of people in our communities have gotten rid of their cable and they really like have been able to like tailor their algorithm to be the things that they want to see rather than just what everybody was forced to see on tv for, for you know a whole generation and now you can kind of like you know you can look on you look on the internet for anything that you believe in and you can find you know a group of people that believe in that also it's just it's wild how how quickly the evolution of of it all has has happened technology
0: yeah earlier Ryan, you were Mm -hmm. saying where can you find you know people sitting around you know talking about the nature of reality or about Mm -hmm. art or anything like Mm -hmm. that and like I can tell you where you can find them. Yeah, you can find right. them right here in Discord, like right here in our Discord. Like yeah. we were all in here talking about the nature of reality for like eight that hours today. <laughs> <laughs> you know, so it is out there happening, uh, but it's you're correct. It's not happening in front of the television screen. No, for and sure. and it probably
1: should be. You know,
2: it's a very. that's con- yeah. a very controlled environment for sure.
1: Yeah, it doesn't seem to be. Water cooler talk uh-uh. yeah. is, you know, I, I I suppose I I don't know I I I wish it was, it were, I wish that were the water cooler talk, yeah. and, and I think we'll get to, but just because I wish it were doesn't mean it should be, and doesn't mean it's better than well, what other people right, are already right, talking right. about, yeah. right? I mean, you got I got to remember that as well. It's like, hey man, stop taking yourself so damn seriously all the time, but. The, uh, I don't know, it's don't understand why it's not more fun to think about this kind of stuff than it yeah. is about um, some of these other things. And I've just never been into what I'd call like, you know, kind of fluffy pop culture television and things like that. Right. That's, That's just right. never interested me. <clears throat> and you know, I have to be careful sometimes to be like, oh, just cause I don't like something doesn't mean it's garbage. Right, uh, because that's one hundred percent not the case.
2: But I think I've I've created my own reality. I think I've just gotten so weird that I've just pushed everything not weird, but everything you know, not like everything normal has just kind of been pushed out of my life. And then I think everything around me just reflects, you know, <laughs> you know, my weirdness from inside. And I've been able to surround myself with these people and environments that support the the craziness and. um <laughs> I do so it is. It's kind of water water cooler combo in in my world. Just because I've just I've gotten I've been able to tailor my own reality at this point.
0: Well, and I yeah. think there's something about like existential questions and you know talking about them that capitalism specifically just isn't a big fan of. Mm-mm. You know, because once you start thinking about the nature of reality and especially the nature of what you're spending your time on suddenly you know doing the whole capitalism thing doesn't make a whole lot of sense Mm -hmm. you know
1: so it it makes sense does not promote thought (laughs) right yeah right (laughs) i mean unless it is contributing to the growth and sustainment of capitalism doesn't Mm -hmm. promote anything outside of those things and that's the case with every system i suppose every system is self-sufficient and self-promoting in the same way uh, i su- i mean if we if we probably really tried to boil it down every system has its own survival complex or survival okay, instinct sure. and i mean you can look at it in any different type of industry or art form that those who contribute to the continued growth of, of capitalism and of this thing are the ones who are rewarded within the system. Because if you're not, you are. if you're fighting against it, you are, essentially you're like a cancer cell, right? And the body right. is fighting against, the system is fighting against it and wants to spit you out and wants to get rid of you because you're not contributing to the growth of the system. And that's why you never really see the people who, now I wanna be very careful here in what I'm saying because I'm not trying to trying to say these people are nefarious and I'm not trying to say these people are people. But what I'm saying, the people who are at the very top of any system are rewarded or promoting the attributes of that system. Contributing yep. to the growth of that system and also not fighting against others at the top of that system mm-hmm. because that's counterintuitive to the growth of the system. So, I mean, like, let's do a generic example here in stand up comedy, like, for the most part, you'll never see and never really have passed you know, the, the very top of in a comedy people being with each other or trying to destroy one another, et cetera. I mean, like a good example would be Dave Chappelle's best friends with Ted Sarandos who started Netflix and there's a big, you know, hubbub about, you know, people were wanting uh, Netflix to get rid of Dave Chappelle, um, uh, because of his, you know, very turfy outlook on, you know, trans rights and things like that. And, you know, in but those of us in comedy knew that Dave Chappelle was never going to be off of Netflix because he's mm-hmm. best friends with the guy who started Netflix. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you don't do that to your best friends when you're at the top of the system. Because you don't have to. Um, yeah, and he clearly did not have to. Yeah. Um, it's funny because, you know, my uh, my last partner, she... We were together. She got a job at Netflix. Her first day was her first day was the uh, the day that Netflix employees had a walkout protest wow. and protest over Chappelle. That was her first day at that job, and I mean, it was just it was kind of like a. I mean, obviously, it was a very bonkers time for her to be starting. uh, you know, like she's going into work for the first time while people are walking out, and. Yeah. It's, you know, and, you know, everybody's got their opinions and everybody's got their, you know, some more informed than others. But that's just kind of like an example of, in general, of how these things typically, you know, work, I suppose, specifically within the, I guess, even extra specifically within the world of capitalism. Um, Even thinking, even...
2: thinking about what you said about like about think people and things supporting the system from at the top like even in our own community is where we are actively trying to create our own like in-person community it's it's interesting to to think of it think of that concept in play in our own reality and like the the people that uh you know have have things to say about what we're doing and how we interact it's its its interesting because it, it will like eventually kind of find its way out if it doesn't agree with us or what we're doing and it's like very it's its definitely brought some things to, to the foreground in my mind
0: yeah something to keep yeah. in mind
2: yeah
1: and it's I, I don't know the first time I even started thinking about these kinds of things there's a book called The Lucifer Effect by Dr. Philip Zimbardo who conducted the Stanford Prison Experiments Hey. Mm. And which I think a lot of people are familiar, at least with that, uh, kind of in general, what that was. Mm-hmm. Anyway, uh, the big one of the big themes of this book was the effect of systems on the occupants or the organisms inside of the system. If you kind of think of, somebody or if you think of your community that you're talking about that you're building as this, you know, like this body, right? And
2: mm-hmm. you know,
1: different parts you know different organs different organisms you know this serves this purpose you know this helps blah 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 Mm -hmm.
2: Um,
1: whether we realize it or not we are being affected by the overall system Mm
2: -hmm. and
1: it affects the way we view things and like for when i first read that book i was living in the midwest and i was like okay i'm part of the midwest comedy scene that has had an effect on the way i view the world the, the, the world of comedy And then I moved to Los Angeles and now I'm part of the Los Angeles comedy scene. I'm okay. Okay. So what things do I need to keep in mind? Do I need to be hyper aware of that the Los Angeles comedy scene is going to affect me either positively or negatively? Right. And I was like, okay, I don't need to be worried about image. The Los Angeles comedy scene is much more image focused, um, much more celebrity focused than say the Midwest comedy scene was at the time. Mm
2: -hmm. The comedy
1: scene was... Are you funny? We don't care about anything else. Are you funny? And then you get to LA and it's like, are you, you know, kind of funny, but are you famous? You know, are you recognizable? Are you well known? Are you beautiful? Or these things, right? Uh, More image based. And so eventually you spend enough time in a place like Los Angeles inside that system, you'll become more aware of like, am I recognizable? Am I beautiful? Am I? you know, you know, these, those things kind of become more important to you without even realizing, without, tr- without you wanting them to. Yeah. And I remember when I first moved there, every, almost every time I'm on stage still to this day, I I say my age usually. And when I first was in Los Angeles, I had friends, people who became friends of mine, you know, to this day, um, they were shocked. Like, I can't believe you Say how old you are on stage. We're in Hollywood. You 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 just do that. I was like, yeah, because I don't care.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: You know, I don't care. I don't. I I don't make value based judgments on age. Yeah. You know, age. You know, age doesn't determine whether or not you're a good person or not or valuable to me. Right. Right. And. It's such a hyper specific thing, but it it's kind of infiltrated its way into other areas of life as well. It's such a silly thing because I mean, you know, we were talking about this a little bit ago. It's like, what are we doing here? You know, like what? You know, it's like we've got this one life that we can remember. Most of us, mm-hmm. and we're only here for a very short period of time. This particular manifestation, uh, you know, I'm you know I'm pretty. Firm believer in reincarnation. So mm-hmm. I'm like, okay, so what am I doing here? Am I totally fucking off, or am I actually trying to, you know, give myself a better go around the next time? And, or like, what are we, it's like, what am I doing here? Right. Uh, yeah. You know, on a micro and a macro level. And listen, I mean, I, like, some super evolved, you know, creature above you know, above a bunch of stuff that other people get sucked into, or like drama or whatever else, or addictions, things like that. I've had my, all those things, but now at the same time, I'm concerned with doing here and, you know, long-term what's the outlook about, you know, the impression I'm leaving behind. And if I can at least do a good enough job of trying to create my own system of beliefs and the way I want to live, Mm -hmm. right? At least I can Mm -hmm. maybe combat some of this other stuff. Meantime, not get controlled by, you know, like physical desire, addictions, you know, insecurities, anxieties, et cetera.
0: So this is a show where oftentimes we do talk about those specific things like our, our beliefs and like what brought us to this community for instance um like are you comfortable talking about your spiritual journey like what what are your beliefs you know what what reality do you
1: function in on a daily basis <laughs> what if i was like no i'm not comfortable talking about that at all um no i <laughs> that would be okay honestly yeah it's it's funny because someone asked me this earlier today <laughs> um And I'm totally comfortable talking about that. I mean, because it's really, a, I mean, I don't know. Is it, isn't it all we got, I guess, what yeah. we believe? And right. Half the right. time, I don't know what I believe until I'm saying it out loud, which mm-hmm. might sound shocking to someone, right? But at the same time, it's like how many times do we find ourselves having a conversation, and then as we're saying something, we're just like, "Holy shit, do I believe yeah. this is what I believe." <laughs> yeah, but that's sure. just part of being a human being. I think that's just part of you know having a mind that's always constantly evolving and changing and learning and mm-hmm. flip flopping and doing things like that. I, I hope, I suppose, but absolutely, I'm I believe in lowercase G. Um, it's how I describe my belief in God. So it's more of a spiritual than it is a religious belief. Uh, I was raised Catholic, went to Catholic school for about 12 years. I had a hardcore period of like what I call a relapse into apocalyptic Catholicism in my early 20s where I thought the world was ending, things of like shit like that. Um, it was a, not a great time in my life. I became a prisoner to my beliefs. Yeah. Um, and I had this realization one day where I was like, okay, my beliefs, my, my religious beliefs, my spiritual beliefs, it should be like a puppy, right? They should contribute to the joy of my life. They shouldn't make me a prisoner. Yes, absolutely. And I found myself never leaving the house because I had to make sure that my religious puppy wasn't shitting on the rug, right? Which mm-hmm. I thought was happening any day, and then Jesus would come back to clean it up. Oh. That would be the end of all things. So you know, I kind of moved away from that, Uh Luckily, it didn't work for me, and then I start, you know, exploring. And I mean, I was always really into philosophy. I almost studied it as an undergrad. Um, I ended up going with creative writing instead, but because um, it kind of served more of, you know, what I saw my future being. That being said, I I've always thought that I would go back and. You know, part of me was always like, I'm not too old to go back and get my master's degree in philosophy or something like that. But I figured, you know what I can do? I can just, you know, I can get into theosophy instead. And philosophy is an area, you know, it's a system that I kind of, I kind of groove with. It's theology and philosophy combined. That's what theosophy means. They kind of introduced Eastern thought into the Western world. Mm -hmm. Uh, You know, Blavatsky is probably the big name that people recognize from. The Theosophical Society. Anywhere it's it, anyway it's the it's a search for esoteric meaning and you know occult knowledge things like that. Mm-hmm. And so I kind of you know I, I like that aspect of being alive and incorporating meditation, magic, uh, spirituality, a willingness to believe in things that might seem silly, uh, surrendering to the silliness of it all because it's all silly i mean especially i mean i mean i've been doing paranormal investigations for a long time but that's not to say that when you're in a building with maybe just a couple other people and you're just asking questions to the darkness you feel silly uh, sometimes Mm -hmm. and it's it's okay to feel silly now you just have to embrace it and then surrender to it absolutely so that's kind of like a tangible example of what i'm talking about but and I also love there's this, there's this old uh, uh, esotericist, I guess you could call him, Manly P. Hall, who I really really enjoy his lectures and uh, you know his writings. He's probably most famous for the book uh, "The Secret Teachings of All Ages," is uh, it's like a compendium. It's it's a really really cool book. Or the Philosophical Research Society (PRS), but. You no, I'm into parapsychology, you know, so it's, you know, like the, the laboratory experiments trying to measure and understand, you know, paranormal phenomena, even though I'm an idealist and not a materialist really at all. Uh, so I believe that the foundation of the universe is consciousness and that all material things emanate from that as opposed to vice versa. Mm-hmm. Uh, I just remember the first time Really digging into some things. This was years ago, and you, you know, you start learning about the perennial philosophy, which is, you know, goes way back, and you know, like these common themes that are present in every religious, you know, society that's ever existed, essentially. And you, uh, and then you start realizing, like, oh, okay, let's get into this. okay. Well, then there's hermeticism, which I really, really find hyper fascinating. And how, you know, science nowadays, especially with quantum physics, is catching up to the things that hermeticism was saying really long time ago. Mm. And so it's like when you hear people saying, oh, yeah, science is finally catching up to like philosophy and things like that. I mean, I think that's a kind of an example. Like when you hear like as above, so below, that comes from hermeticism. Right. Um, But, you know, then you have this idea that, you know, you still can't. Science still cannot explain consciousness. Mm. And when we sit around and we sometimes, you know, get a little bit arrogant and think we, we know things, you know, not necessarily all the things, but most of the things. But then you consider that the biggest thing, consciousness, in my opinion, that makes the consideration of all things even possible. That so when you consider that we don't even know how it's possible that we're considering, blows my mind. And <laughs> it's like, you know, what what does it even mean, you know, to mm-hmm. to think? And it's like, oh well, no. Well, when you think about something, you're you're contemplating it. Well, okay. Well, that's another that's another way to say think. What does it mean to contemplate? Well, you know, to consider. Well, okay, well, now you're just using another synonym. What does it mean to consider? It means to ponder. Okay, you know, and on and on and on and on, right? Just get your thesaurus out and and look up the word think. So it doesn't make, and you can kind of, if you do it long enough, you can kind of go into those, one of those states where, you know, when people say the same word too many times and you start to be like, oh man, stop saying that word. It's losing all meaning. Right. And you know, and so when you when you think about thinking and thinking about thinking and thinking about thinking and you you know when I keep doing it anyway, it gets me into this state of just wow, weird, weird, you know, a weird vibratory state. And it occurs to me that you know not being able to understand this, considering that I think it's probably the biggest component what it even means to be alive it's very humbling and it's almost shocking shocking in the way that we still don't have hundred percent complete agreement on how the moon even showed up right when you start it's like wait what the fuck we don't don't have that figured out but it's like (laughs) but you know but the foundational aspects of of reality being consciousness that being something that we don't understand makes perfect sense, which might seem contradictory. (laughs) But I just got caught up
2: in the idea that when, when you're thinking of things, like who's thinking, who's listening, like, like you know, when you start breaking down the idea of thinking and, and concepts, like who's. Oh yeah. Cause uh, you have like your mind
1: and then you have like the observer.
2: Yes. Where does it all come from and who's listening and who's, you know, it's, 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 my mind gets blown in those places.
1: Yeah. It's, it's, I mean, it's wild to consider. Considering how mysterious and at the end of the day, truly unknowable, the nature of reality, I think probably is sense that the foundation of such a thing is a, is a mystery, at least to me. And, it doesn't mean that we can't keep searching for answers because i mean that's the fun of it
0: uh,
2: that's when a good old psychedelic trip comes into to play comes <laughs> into play
1: <laughs> yeah for sure i mean i think you i don't even think you need yeah i don't even think you need mushrooms to get yourself to that place well, um, not when you really yeah i mean like when you really deep dive or mm-hmm. you know and you know whether med- you know because you these stories about these you know these essentially the same things happening with you know deep meditative states with psychedelic mm-hmm. use um mm-hmm. and other in other ways and it's like okay well there's all kinds of things that we're doing there's different roads that get to the same little city here and that city mm-hmm. is uh, I don't know. I, I don't even know what you'd call that city. It's a place where they've got all the coolest shops in the fucking universe. That's
2: (laughs) one the Uh, oneness of it all.
1: (laughs) Yeah, right. One city. And it's a it's a pretty cool place. But when you and I, you know, I also believe, you know, spiritually, I believe that there is a moral there's mathematical laws of the universe. I think most people would kind of agree on that in a you know, in a reasonable way. (laughs) Um I also think that there are, I guess, what we'd call moral laws of the universe and they don't have to be created by some vindictive God. It's just natural laws. And I think one of those laws is the respect of, where's life. And because I know when we help, I've never heard anyone say, you know what? I volunteered today and it made me feel awful. Yeah. Or you know what I really hate? When somebody lends a hand, it makes me hate <laughs> them. I feel despicable. Or, you know, you there's certain things that we just all know that we just kind of feel somehow yeah. to be true. and. And without trying to get like too specific about them or nitpicky about the details, I think we all understand the natural laws of the universe when it comes to just being a fucking good person. And yeah. you don't need a god to dictate that. Well, um Who you know, in, on some golden throne up in the sky with angels playing harps next to him. Uh, so like, I I do think there's that and, and I think that's kind of obvious to anyone who has spent and contemplating the nature of existence and, and all these things, but comes in different shapes and and forms, I think for people, and it comes in different ideas as well. And that's fine because, you know, variety is the spice of life as they say, but it's at the end of the day, when you have consciousness is this thing I think it's like the the ultimate advanced technology. It's the foundation Mm -hmm. of the universe. It's the connective Mm -hmm. tissue between all living things, past, present, and future. And Mm -hmm. the human physical body is kind of like the key on a laptop. You know, it's not the thing that makes the magic happen. It's the thing that accesses the magic. Yeah. And once we learn how to push different buttons, like meditation psychedelic drugs, yoga, you know, Kundalini, all these other different things that people use and have used throughout, you know, the occult magic rituals, symbology, sacred geometry, alchemy, it goes on and on. These are all different keys on the keyboard of the universe that access the magic within. And so once we realize that, And once we accept it, which is probably even more important, is accepting it to be a truth, which can be difficult. And I think manifestation Mm. also falls into this. Right. Uh. And so it's, you know, manifestation, you know, like I, me and my friends, and a lot of people will talk about disclosure when it comes to UFOs and, you know, aliens and all this other stuff and how soft disclosure is kind of happening right now. And, Mm -hmm. you know, what does it mean? And, what if there was ultimate disclosure, full disclosure tomorrow and aliens were introduced at a press conference on like the White House lawn or whatever? Would people freak out? I think it would maybe take 12 months to integrate um, disclosure uh, into everyday life before it would be like, you know, cause we all still have to just eat poop and sleep right. uh, regardless of right. whether there's aliens walking around. And it's not like, you know, <laughs> there's going to be a gray alien helping you at Home Depot next week um that's not like what integration of disclosure means you know aliens are here um as we all know um but you know they're not looking to bicentennial man they're not looking to get a job dentist Mm -hmm. office right right and you know like that's not what they're here for i think once we understand that you can interdimensionally travel through the axis of advanced technology which is consciousness and you can travel through space and time using just this, that extraterrestrials come from everywhere and anywhere and from any time. And once we see that practically, like when Roger Bannister broke the four-minute barrier running the mile, and which was thought to be impossible. And then once everyone saw Roger Bannister do that, next you know, all these people start running. Aisle in under four minutes. For me, mm-hmm. that's exactly what happens when you see practically whether it's aliens or humans who have also gotten to the place where they can do this, assessing consciousness in such a way that's creating steaming or you know what we now call paranormal phenomena mm-hmm. once it becomes practical and everyone's like, oh, we all can do this. this is clearly I have that too. so, it's within a year, most of the planet of human beings, like, oh, yeah, I have clairaudience, I have clairvoyance, I have clairsentience, I can travel interdimensionally, I can, you know, I have That's the world I want to live in.
2: Let's go. I have
1: telekinetic <laughs> yeah. abilities, right? Yes. This is all, it's the four-minute mile getting broken. Mm. So we just need more and more people to be seeing it. More and more people are seeing it in a practical way in the last, you know, five to ten years, I would say. Mm
2: -hmm. But Mm -hmm. especially
1: in the last five years. So more and more people see that this is possible. So they're like, oh, then I can do that too. It's about the accepting of this truth. Yeah. And once because it's, you know, it's one thing to like intellectually believe something. Another thing to Deeply believe it in your heart of hearts because you've experienced it. Yeah. And I think that's the key. And for me, like, that's what I'm doing here. You know, so that, to answer that question, like, oh, what do I believe in? What am I doing here? I'm trying to, like, I'm trying to access magic or what would be considered magic, but I'm also trying to enjoy this physical form. And partake in the joys and the excitements of what it even means to have this physical body. Have a, you know, do stand up comedy, have a good time performing, you know, tasting eggnog, um, going to the gym or going on hikes or, you know, eating too much candy or, you know, all these things. I'm still trying to partake in that. And I probably always will. And sometimes that clouds me and overtakes my, you know, overtakes my, I don't know, my brain. And I'm kind of living in that like physical realm. Long And I'm like, okay, shake it out of you. And you got to like book again, man. And, you know, pick up one of these, (laughs) you know, crazy books like Operation Trojan Horse by John Keel or some other book or whatever it is. And just be like, oh, shit, this is blowing my mind over here. Like, how did I never know this before? And yeah, but at the end of the day, it's like, you know, when the lights go out at the end of this form I have now, that's just because that's just one room in a giant building went out. I mean, who knows? I mean, part of me wonders if, you know, all of this experience isn't like pre birth and death is actually us being born. Mm. Uh, so i mean i guess we don't know that until until it happens but but i'm you know i'm pretty convinced about the reincarnation aspect um mm-hmm. I, I don't know i love to think about it i let lo- you know I, I love sustainability you know like recycle reuse reincarnate
2: yes one thing that's blowing my mind is once we started talking about all, you know, once we got into the nitty gritty of it all, like my I have a collection of pendulums that are hanging on my wall. They're all swinging right now out of there's nothing. There's no reason why they should be swinging. And they're all. Oh, swinging. I love that.
1: <laughs> I that love wild? that. That is wild. The, yeah. I mean, I really do think that. You no, know, I don't know. It's it's what's really fascinating is so many UFO researchers. Or you know over 70 years now coming up on even longer once they dedicate and go really deep for long periods of time start to believe that the ufo phenomena is some kind of energetic phenomena and that it's not a material hmm. which is hard to wrap one's brain around especially when thinking about flying saucers or ufos or uaps whatever you know they want to call them I like UFO better than Uap, but um but it is interesting because so many people are clamoring for disclosure. We need the government to tell us about UFOs, millions. And then you know, you really start digging deep in you, you know, and John Keel's one of these people, fillelais's one of one of these people. there's all these people who. They've come out on the side of thinking like it's some kind of energetic phenomena. And so now here we are in the year 2023 with soft disclosure unfolding, where a government official has publicly stated that we have been inside of an alien UFO that is in our possession. Mm. And now. So people are like, okay, tell us, tell us, tell us, tell us, tell us. And then it's like, well, how do we get to, how do we get from a cover up to, oh yeah, we do have UFOs, but oh, also by the way, general public, it's an energetic phenomena. So, you know, what does that even mean to the general public if to say such a thing, right? Talk about confusion or talk about difficulty in understanding potentially. So... It's one thing just to get the general public to believe that UFOs flying around in the sky are real. Imagine trying to get them to realize that they might not even be physically flying around the sky, that it's an energetic phenomenon manifesting itself in different ways depending on perception and person. Right. So, how do you? So, that's what disclosure looks like, right? Potentially if all of these people who dedicated their lives to studying the phenomenon are correct, which I don't know, I would like to give them the benefit of the doubt, I suppose, considering they didn't necessarily go in thinking that. In fact, they didn't think that at all. They were looking for answers and trying to understand. And then they come out on this other side of it being like, oh my God, you're not going to believe this, but it's like an energetic phenomenon. It's like immaterial. So how do you explain that in a tangible way, on a press conference, 15 minutes on the six o'clock news. Yeah. Oh, yeah, it's just no it's daunting. It. <laughs> yeah. Right. So kind of a daunting. So now I have to kind of, I have to tell myself to cool my jets. Right. Look, okay. Step by step, we're going to do this. Let's walk them through it. I need to be walked through it quite frankly. To be able to truly understand it, would I love full disclosure right now? Yes, I would. And I think it's a the largest human rights issue facing the world. Wow. And it is, it's a crime against humanity it's not being disclosed. Mm-hmm. Every human being on the planet is deserving of this information. What does that Why mean? Do you We'd think understand. Why it's coming
2: out now? Why do you think I all think all just because of time. the,
1: I think, well, I. I don't, I don't know if I have a great answer for that other than it's just been so long mm-hmm. and there have been so many people who have been interested in it and have been pushing it forward on their own mm-hmm. that I feel like they're trying to do catch up. I don't think they have a choice. They, yeah, exactly. Because it's gonna it's gonna be this thing where everybody in the world's gonna believe in UFOs and know that they're real. Then the government's gonna come out and say UFOs are real, and everyone's gonna be like, "Yeah, we already knew that, and that's why none of you are gonna have a job come no- November of next year, <laughs> right?" It's it's, it's like the world I dream of, kind of <laughs> right? So I think it has a lot to do with the community information sharing mm-hmm. stories uh amplifying voices
2: yeah it's getting harder and harder to to, to silence people you know it's, it's yeah not for lack of trying but you know i think
1: yeah and i also think just because i know people who um know people who work for the government and are just you know nothing crazy right not mm-hmm. like i have some insider kind of thing you know just people who have had top clearance or top top secret clearance on projects and things like that, but it's also com- compartmentalized. Mm-hmm. Got it? So when you talk about these people in the government who aren't disclosing information, it's, it's they don't really have the information to disclose. They know like the smallest aspect of a large story, and that's the information that they're given. Very, yeah. very, very few people who even have an idea of what the, the whole picture looks like frankly, I don't think they understand fully is where I'm at as of, I think it was just as of this week, I was just kind of like, you know what? I really just don't believe that they fully understand considering that I know on good authority that government officials use similar devices to just your your average paranormal investigator when they're out at a haunted house or trying to communicate with like spirits or entities or whatever in haunted locations, Right. I know that the government is using very similar technology, if not exactly the same kind of technology, when they're doing their research in places like this. And Mm -hmm. considering that in accord with the fact that they're still out trying to go investigate and research phenomena in different places, the same places that Investigators like me or, you know, someone with the BFRO, the Bigfoot uh, Bigfoot Research Organization, or, you know, or MUFON, you know, or whoever else or ghost investigators, things like that. The fact that they're still out there investigating and trying to accumulate data, et cetera, it shows me when more importantly, what it tells me is they don't understand exactly what's going on. They're trying to figure it out. And because if they already had it all figured out, they wouldn't need to be out there. Yeah. So they're out there as well, trying to understand, do they know more than Ryan Singer? Most assuredly, but that's not saying very much, because I think a lot of people do. (laughs) But the idea that they're still actively researching, and this, this is the same thing with UFOs. I don't think that they now do. They have more. They have incredibly outsized resources in comparison to an individual like myself or somebody else, right? Oh, so, and they have access, which is different. Whole well, other thing. I don't have access to anywhere I want to go, right? The government essentially does. So they have outsized resources. They have access, but they still. Trying to figure it out. And so I don't think full disclosure is necessarily what everyone would really hope it for.
2: Yeah. Is there anyone that actually knows? Is there one person on you know, is there a group of people on this planet that actually knows?
1: Um well, there's this there's this guy named Dr. Lakatsky. That's how you say his last name this great episode of a show called weaponized it's jeremy corbell and george knapp and george knapp is one of these old school ufology or ufo reporter type guys it's the guy who broke the the story yeah i mean he broke the story on area 51 i mean like you know he's based out of las vegas anyway i also think he's an insider right i that doesn't Mm. i'm not saying that necessarily in, in a bad way i don't think I remember years ago, I tried to get him on my podcast and he's like, oh, I'm not really doing interviews about that stuff anymore. And then, uh, you know, cut to now and he's all over the place, but he, you know and the reason I say he's an insider is because he's like really good friends with Robert Bigelow, who's that billionaire. He's got his own space company and Mm -hmm. he actually has a, you know I think we all know who Robert Bigelow probably is, but, but the interesting thing about Robert Bigelow is he used to own Skinwalker Ranch. He got, he sold Skinwalker Ranch And now he owns a consciousness institute,
2: studying
1: consciousness, right? And he opened that about two years ago, if I'm not mistaken, or three years ago. So Bigelow is putting all of his money into the the research of consciousness. If you needed any other added nudge, that consciousness is the key to all things. Mm -hmm. And trying to understand it gives us access to advanced technology beyond our wildest imaginations. But uh, NAP is like really with Bigelow and Bigelow is very tight with the United States government. Was uh, this, There was this group called OSAP, which was actually the real research, uh, the real secretive research group that the United States government had when everyone thought it was ATIP because ATIP was getting pushed out as this thing. These are all these acronyms. The government loves their acronyms and they have to change them <laughs> all the time. It's ridiculous. But... And they're like, okay, well, the government, has, the government has to put out their bids for contracts to small businesses first. That's their protocols, right? So they had a $22 million contract. And I think I'm getting this correct. $22 million contract to study and try to investigate and figure out what's going on with the UFO phenomena. And for some reason, none of the small businesses wanted it. So Robert Bigelow's company got it and it's like, oh, what a coincidence, right? That he just happens to get all of the contracts because nobody else wants them. That to me is very suspect, uh, at the very least, um, incredibly fishy. And anyway, so knowing that George Knapp is like, you know, BFFs with Bigelow, it's like, you know. He's pushing for disclosure, but at the same time, he knows a bunch of stuff that he'll never tell. And he said that he can't tell and won't tell. And the one argument that's always given is national security. And I've never heard a bigger load of bullshit in my entire life.
0: Uh I don't think it's national security. I think it's like mental security for the planet. Like I, I think that the people who do know what's really going on Like, people who have had actual contact with these NHI, whatever you want to call them, are so scared shitless by it that they don't want the world to know about it. Like, I kind of pick up those vibes when I listen to, like, Grush talk about the way that the people he's interviewed, like, I don't know, there's something about the way he talks about it. It's like the people who have talked to the people who have talked to him want disclosure, but the people who have actually talked don't want to say anything
1: yeah i mean it's it's probably beyond the scope of of truly understanding how to make it relatable in some way right right and i don't i don't think i've never been a fan of mass hysteria the mass hysteria argument um only because i mean we've seen that in movies we've seen it in television and things like that and now if you know 2 million flying saucers hovered over the major cities simultaneously. going to sit here and be like, little one's going to freak out, man. Get over it. That's just what you've been kind of shown will happen. I mean, it would be, it would be, be fucking strange. You know what I mean? Yeah. It would be wild because it's never happened before. And especially if they just sat there, no communication whatsoever. We just be like, well, what's what are they doing? You know, we always want to know why, 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 why. That's the big. I think as long as why is somewhat explainable, I think it's a whole different ballgame. Yeah, and if there's any indication about what the why might be, in a real way, I think it's a it's it's such a completely different picture that you're watching unfold, and. I, I don't know. I I wish I I wish I knew the answers, but I mean, I could be totally off base um, or I could be close. I, I don't know in my speculations, but I wouldn't be surprised either way if I was so wrong that I was just like, wow, I've been an idiot this whole time. I also wouldn't be surprised if it was like, you know, not that. So, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised by any of it, I guess is what I'm saying.
0: yeah. I think the only way I'll be disappointed is if I simply never get to find out what's going on. But like, yeah, it really well, does I seem know. like we're moving towards that. <laughs> yeah.
1: It really does. Uh, I agree with you. Try not to be one of those religious people, or it's like you know, Jesus. It really does feel like Jesus is coming back next week. Yeah. You know, because you know, every every generation has thought every religious generation that really believed that thought that their time was the end times, and. You do hear a lot of, this is where, this is where I don't, this is where I might break with a lot of UFO people. And, well, I don't know if that's an accurate way of describing this, but seemingly you follow any UFO contact story enough or for long enough and you understand the common theme that emerges, that is the message, right? The message that they have for us. And that message is always relatively the same. Human beings need to do better, to love more, and Mm -hmm. they need to take care of the planet. Now, why is this the common theme? Is it because it's a stark reality Or a perennial philosophy or the laws of nature that we are not abiding? Or is it a combination of maybe that, but also I say I break from a lot of people. I think what I mean by that is this. I think whether it's religious stories or mythology lore or philosophical folk tales or whatever else, throughout the beginning, since the beginning of time, I think human beings, we have used these stories as a reflection of what we know we should be or what we know we can achieve or where we want to go with ourselves. So when we hold up the mirror of all of these stories, whether they're religious from the Bible or ufology from the 1950s or channeling these beings like Bashar or whatever, they are a. You mirror are in my head of, right now. <laughs> yeah, they're just a mirror of what we know. We are supposed to fucking be already. Let's do this. I, I think on. this
2: is the why. So you- I think this is the why. Now is is that we are coming to like a major turning point in in our humanity? Is that like uh, a. The return of Christ, I in my opinion, the return of Christ is happening already. It's the Christ consciousness. It's the spark that's like waking all these people up. And then the why now of the of disclosure and all of the, the activity and the experiences that are coming out is that it's like we need we we're going to end ourselves if we don't start loving each other more, if we don't start taking care of the planet, if we don't start doing these things, it will be the end of us. And I feel like it's all tied into the why of why now.
1: Yeah, I mean, that it makes sense. And especially when you look at the reality of the world that, or the many realities of the world that we're facing with climate change, war, starvation, population explosion, all kinds of things, and put them all in together into a bowl you know, it's not a, it's it's a pretty disgusting soup. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's poisonous. Yeah. It's a poisonous concoction. And, you know, oftentimes people will be like, I wouldn't bring a child into this world or, you know, other dark viewpoints like that, which, you know, I don't necessarily blame them for. I mean, but it kind of points back to What I was saying as well, earlier, maybe everyone thinks that their time is the end time, right? And I I want to honestly sit here and be like, yeah, I I understand that, but they weren't alive right now because look what's going on right now. It really is. Right. So I have to have that awareness of like, well, everybody thought that, (laughs) You know. What
2: yeah. I mean? but yeah. Like, yeah.
1: But it just seems too real right now yeah. to not be. But I also yeah. try to have this understanding, like everyone thought. You know, that's why they were zealots, maybe. You know, because they're like mm-hmm. this has to. Be, this is right. And it's like, okay, well, but were they living now? Because now it's really happening. Yeah. Um, but when you have something like, especially climate change, yeah. the fact that we have such advanced technology and we're able to kill so many of us so quickly, so easily. It does seem like we've reached a tipping point. And I think you're right. A lot of people woke up. And I think a lot of people woke up during COVID, during lockdown, Mm -hmm. forced isolation. Mm -hmm. They looked inside themselves. They abandoned their old jobs. Nobody wants to work anymore. Yeah. Ain't that fucking great?
2: Yeah. Um, (laughs) Yeah.
1: By the way, isn't that great? Um, Yeah. So nobody wants to work anymore. Oh, yeah. Because no one gives a fuck about the illusion of this bullshit anymore. Yeah. Exactly. Thank God.
2: Yeah really trying to imagine a new world that we can exist in. And I understand that there, you know, we have to play the game a little bit, but really trying to reimagine a a new world for ourselves. And I really think it starts on a small scale and on an individual level. You know, we're not going to, it's not going to be a big switch shift of, you know, flip of a switch that changes everything. Maybe it will be, but I think it starts in communities like ours and um, this perspective changes and, and, you know, shifts away from, The idea of society and and creating more of an individual experience but that's frowned upon you know by society but you just have to kind of disconnect yourself from that program you're not
1: contributing to the growth of the system are you
2: yeah right right growth of our own system now
1: yeah exactly and uh systems don't want new systems
2: right
1: because they're competition yeah Yeah. new systems are competition direct competition
2: yeah
1: resources so yeah yeah i mean i don't know it's pretty exciting to be alive right now that's for sure
2: yeah it's uh, yeah pop some popcorn and 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 take you know you can sit back and watch and observe you can participate (laughs) you know you get to you get to choose your adventure in this one
1: (laughs) yeah it's really it's it's something too, like what you talked about and i just talked with noah lampert not too long ago and reinforced like the imaginal world in me and Mm -hmm. you know visualizing and manifesting and you know being in that Energetic space where I, you know, yeah. I already feel the way I'm going to feel when I, I'm doing the things I I want to be doing, and and I'm kind of walking around like a madman for weeks now because I've kind of yeah. got this glee about me. Um, you know, where every once in a while I'll catch myself being like, oh, well, I'm just I'm like extremely more gleeful than the people I happen to be around in this moment. Yeah, um, that's not always the case because there are some people out there, you know, living their life. It is. It's a great reminder, and it's, it's that thing we talked about. It's like okay, accepting the truth and mm-hmm. and just believing it. I have this friend Carolyn, yeah. who's she has amazing powers and abilities and experiences, and she's like everyone has this. They just don't believe it. And you know, when one of the most incredible people tells you that, she's like everybody's got this. Great reinforcement mm. and a reminder that all you have to do is fucking believe in yourself. Is and Carolyn the one that harder... manifested the
2: white horse for her birthday? Yes. We at the age of six. <laughs> it was so fascinating. I love that episode.
1: Yeah. It's, oof, I mean, unbelievable. and. Mm. You know, I mean, I should just start saying, so, be- how uh, believable instead of unbelievable. But, mm-hmm. um, you know, like change change the narrative on that. But, yeah, it's <laughs> it's incredible. I, I got to spend about six days down there with her a few weeks back and just recording her stories. Oh, yeah. We didn't even get them all. I was down there for six days. And we didn't even get them <laughs> and It's just, I can't wait, actually, do the work on this project and and get this thing out so the world can can uh, read about uh, incredible life. But uh, yeah, so I'm looking forward to that.
0: It really seems like right now the veil is super thin. Oh yeah, anything <laughs> is
2: possible. Anything is possible. I want to talk about something on this subject. I have seen in my in, in some recent days. I have seen some things that I, I I would have never, ever thought I could possibly, that was possible, ever. And we have something in common. I, I have seen uh, in, in a recent uh, get-together with some people in our community, um, I saw someone shapeshift in front of my eyes. And not just once, over the span of about a week, several times. And I would really, really, really like to talk about that with with someone because I feel like I'm losing my absolute shit because I (laughs) saw Oh
1: my god, I can't believe this I
2: cannot explain. And you know what's crazy? You're like
1: burying the lead here. You're like burying the lead here this whole time.
2: Oh my god. (laughs) Like an hour and a half later,
1: you're like, oh, by the way.
2: (laughs) (laughs) I've been waiting for this moment on the flight, on the way to this gathering, I uh, just had downloaded a bunch of random things over the years and I just hit random play. And it was your podcasts with Jessa and your podcasts with your ex about the shape-shifting that kind of like prepared me for this moment. And then when it happened in front of me, I was like completely in shock. I was doing everything I could not to like react or have like, just like a fucking mental breakdown. But like, I, I would love to talk about this if this is something you're comfortable with.
1: Were you on an airplane when it happened?
2: Uh, no, I wasn't. I was on, I
1: was on an airplane okay. when I heard
2: your podcast. I was at a different location. Now you're going to... Several locations when it happened.
1: This is... Oh my God, this is like... This is the other <laughs> but... Because I have a dinner date with my dad that I'm supposed to be going to here momentarily <laughs> if you can believe it so i'm supposed to be having dinner with my dad um it's like i'm looking it's like 8 15 now or yeah we're supposed to be going to dinner around 8 15 so and it's shoot. 8 15 now so yeah yeah um
2: we oh can come god, back to this and, another day if this is something we we need more time to oh talk my about. <laughs> god i mean this
1: is why it's so funny like you, you know it's like I because i gotta go and then you bring this up because probably could i just talk for stop <laughs> Uh, for yeah. an hour and a half, but I 100% want to hear about this. And yes, oh my god, I have to hear about this because yes. there's only so many times I've heard of this. I I can count on one hand the amount of times I have had someone tell me a story about shapeshifting, and that's uh, the reason why I started my podcast in the first place was to try to mm-hmm. hear stories about shapeshifting. So okay. I'm gonna pitch you on the idea. Uh, telling me that story on my podcast and <laughs> I would gladly come back on here and talk about uh, this as well another yeah. time because Absolutely. I need to know this information.
2: Yes. I need yeah, to talk let's about Let's make
1: justice. that happen. Someone,
2: please.
0: <laughs> and but, I, I'm in a wow. strange situation of knowing the person, but not having seen <laughs> it, but trusting that person so fully. Yeah. Yeah, and trusting Tiff incredibly fully, you know. Uh-huh. Like I, I can't, I can't reckon in my brain,
1: you know. And neither can I. I. First... I saw it. Well, you don't I have to answer this question. Was this a person that I may have met at the? Yes. Yeah. Oh my god.
2: Yeah. Yes.
1: Um, I mean, you don't ever have to tell me who it is. Trust me, I, I understand. They would be glad for you to
2: know. I think.
1: <laughs> oh yeah. no. Okay. This will be a to be continued, though.
2: Yeah, for sure. Yeah.
1: TBC. TBC for sure. Because yes, that is information that I would love to love to hear. Absolutely. Because there is something that happened to me a few months ago that is eerily similar to what I experienced seeing
2: Mm -hmm. someone
1: experienced seeing me.
2: Wow. Which
1: I've got is... something to say about that,
2: <laughs>
1: okay <laughs>
0: about seeing somebody seeing me do it as well.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Really. Mm-hmm. We'll have mm-hmm. a lot to talk about for sure. Uh, I don't how did we I
1: not wait. open okay. with this? How did we not <laughs> open?
0: No, but it was a great conversation up until this point, and I can't yeah. wait for the next one. Yeah I know. Ryan, do you have any like how can people reach you?
1: Well, they can go to the. uh They can just seek most most bewildered man in the world <laughs> backslash. <laughs> how did this not come up earlier? Damn backslash. It. <laughs> uh, they can go to uh, uh, RyanCinderComedy uh, dot com is you know like my website. Uh, I'm also on Instagram at Rysing, R Y S I N G. But uh, and I'll be on tour from December 5th through the 18th, doing uh, different cities uh, in like the Southeast up and through the West uh, with three uh, buddies of mine who are all great. We're doing like a fun tour together. And then um, I've also got like a few more stand up dates throughout the rest of the year. And if anywhere near Dayton, Ohio, I'll be comedy club in Dayton called Wiley's, where I'll be this 22nd, 23rd of December. Um, but ryansingercomedy.com dot com's got the link to all that. But the Instagram, you know, and trying to remember to put the same stuff up on TikTok. So there, I'm I'm out there. You're killing it. You're killing the, it. Yeah, and the podcast will be coming up on ten years next January. Uh, wow! So Gosh. I'm excited about that. And I've got a I've got a new live stream show I'm going to start next year called the Paranormal Carnival, which is going to be mostly a comedy show. I'm excited about launching that sometime in January, hopefully, and then you know a couple different books I've been uh, working on, one for me and one for my friend Carolyn. So Beautiful. no shortage of things happening.
2: Well, I can't wait till we continue this conversation. I'm so excited. Yeah, this is
1: going to be great. <laughs> yeah, me too. Well, this is fun. Thanks for thanks for uh, thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Uh I had a you yeah, know this was fun. I um. Oh, my God. I'm just like, I can't believe this. I just can't believe this. All right. Well, thank you, everybody,
0: for listening. This will be the final episode of Interviewing Aliens Season 1. Join us in the new year for the Season 2. And, yeah, we'll catch you all next time.
2: Love you. is in the coming,
1: that is all.